Hey, Filled With Messages friends, thanks so much for joining me today. If you don't know me, I'm Ruth Farrell, and amongst other things, I'm the lead pastor at St. Peter United Church of Christ in Lake Zurich, Illinois. When I was about 10, my family took a trip to Disney World. After a long day of Disney magic, we were waiting for the tram back to Fort Wilderness Campground. It was a little late and dark. All of a sudden, a lady standing further up the queue said loudly, Is that little Brucey Farrell? Little Brucey Farrell was my dad, who at the time would have been in his mid-30s and about six feet tall. It turned out the woman who recognized my dad had lived just up the street while he was growing up. Their families hadn't been particularly close, just neighborly, but she still recognized him all those years later. Travel, be it in our mind's eye or in the farthest corners of the world, is full of surprises. Some are fun, like seeing a long-lost neighbor at the happiest place on earth. Other times, the surprises we experience when we're traveling are less fun. A flat tire, a broken bone, a stolen passport. Acknowledging that good and bad and in-between surprises are simply part of traveling, simply part of life, helps us move with more agility, more grace, more openness to God's presence with us, even in the difficult parts of life. In today's scripture passage, the disciples receive a big surprise— Just as with all surprises, the disciples had to decide how they were going to respond. Were they going to embrace the surprise, even if it was scary and weird? Were they going to open themselves to the surprise and allow it to lead them places they never would have gone without it? Hear these words from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open our hearts, our minds, our bodies to hear you invigorating us, empowering us, inspiring us anew now and always. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your eyes, our Lord, our rock, and our our Redeemer. Amen. The word Pentecost means 50th in Greek. In Jesus' day, and in some Jewish communities even today, people came together for a week-long celebration 50 days after Passover to celebrate the Festival of Weeks. This festival celebrated diversity and harvest. It also commemorated the receiving of the Torah, also known as the Pentateuch, or the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. God gave Moses the Torah on Mount Sinai, and he shared it with the Jewish people. The Torah is the foundation of the Jewish faith. So the reason the disciples were all gathered in one place on Pentecost was because they were celebrating the Festival of Weeks together. To clarify, when Luke, who wrote Acts, uses the word disciple here, he doesn't just mean the original disciples, the 12, or actually at this point there were 11 of them because Judas had already died. When Luke talks about the disciples here, he means a decent-sized group of people of all genders who had followed Jesus around the desert during his ministry on earth. Many of them were people whom Jesus had helped or healed. Right before Jesus ascended, just a fancy word for went up, to heaven, he had instructed the disciples over a meal, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you will have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
Because Christians today have 2,000 years of hindsight, many of us know what the disciples should have been expecting when they heard Jesus say this. But the original hearers of these words did not have a clue what Jesus meant. Other than those who had seen or heard the stories of the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus when he came up out of the waters of baptism, the disciples didn't have any clue or context what baptism by the Holy Spirit might look like. It's hard waiting around for something to happen, especially when we have no clue what to expect. Do you think the disciples spent a lot of time in their swimming suits, assuming baptism of the Holy Spirit would include water because baptisms normally include water? Do you think they were afraid to leave the house for fear that they would miss God delivering the gift of the Holy Spirit? We can't know exactly what the disciples did as they waited for the Holy Spirit to be gifted to them, but I think it's safe to assume they were on tender hooks. I sort of envision them being like people about to become parents, eagerly awaiting their new baby's arrival. There's some anxiety about the birth, some nesting or preparation going on, some trying to make sure every last thing was prepared because they knew life would change forever once the Holy Spirit made her appearance. Just as nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition, I'm pretty sure none of the disciples expected the Holy Spirit to come in a violent wind, fire, and babble of foreign languages. Those are all pretty terrifying experiences. It's unpleasant to be in a place where the wind is whipping, and a violent wind sounds an awful lot like a tornado to me. Fire would have been part of the disciples' everyday lives, as all meals were cooked over an open flame. But fire splitting apart and resting on people's heads? That sounds terrifying. Do they all end up with tonsures? And then suddenly, speaking in a language you don't know, and hearing your siblings in Christ speaking languages that you understand, that's got to make you a little crazy. The Holy Spirit's arrival on Pentecost was terrifying. Jesus called the Holy Spirit a gift from God, but at this point, she seemed more like a gag gift than a helpful, lovely, supportive, kind, caring, gracious gift. Because this story is familiar to many of us, we assume the disciples went merrily along with the Holy Spirit. But I suspect some of them weren't so sure about this experience. I suspect others were scared of what would happen next. Perhaps some wish the Holy Spirit had come on them more like a nice traditional hymn rather than an upbeat modern worship song. The disciples, just like all of us when we face a surprise along our journeys, had the choice of how they were going to react. They didn't have to embrace the surprise that was the Holy Spirit. They didn't have to embrace the newness and wildness of her presence in their lives. Along with being surprised by how the Holy Spirit sprang herself on them, I suspect the disciples were a little confused about what they were supposed to do next. Reading between the lines, it appears the flaming tongues of fire didn't linger on their heads too long, but the speaking in different languages kept going. What did it mean that they were suddenly a polyglottinous group? Maybe some of them had begun to connect their ability to speak a lot of foreign languages with something else Jesus said shortly before he ascended. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But none of this came with a handbook or instruction manual. Judea and Samaria were familiar to the disciples and within walking distance, but where were the ends of the earth, and how did one get there? Were they supposed to call the local travel agent and book themselves on the next caravan to Land's End? Did one need special immunizations or attire to travel there? 
Before the disciples could process all the thoughts and feelings swirling around inside them, now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a town came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Great question. Pretty sure the disciples were wondering the same thing. Amazed and perplexed, the crowd asked one another, what does this mean? Again, pretty sure the disciples were wondering the same thing. And then comes one of my favorite lines in the Bible. Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Because the disciples being drunk early in the morning was somehow the most logical explanation for them being able to speak fluently speak languages from the far corners of the empire. The Holy Spirit has been defying logic since she first came on the church, and she continues to defy our logic today. Peter, who had been designated by Jesus as the leader of this ragtag group of disciples, stood up to address the crowd's concerns and accusations. Among all the scariness and chaos of the arrival of the Holy Spirit, and I'm sure with her help and inspiration too, it began to dawn on Peter what was happening. He recalled the words of the prophet Joel, and the pieces fell together. The Holy Spirit had come on those who loved Jesus in such a powerful way because she was empowering them. She was empowering an incredibly diverse group of people, young and old and in between, men and women and trans people, servants and free people. She was empowering a group of people who would become more and more diverse as the days went on. She was empowering them to be an egalitarian community. She was empowering them to be dreamers, visionaries, bridge builders. She was empowering them to change this world with God's love and grace She was empowering them to share the good news that God is for everyone, no matter who anyone is or where they are on their life's journey. Pentecost is the birthday of the church. By this, we don't mean it's the birthday of church buildings or an individual or specific church. We mean it's the birthday of what church is really supposed to be. Church is really about the Holy Spirit empowering people who love Jesus. Church is really about creating egalitarian communities where men and women and trans people, where young and old and middle-aged people, where people of different socioeconomic statuses and races all work together harmoniously to spread the good news that God loves us all full stop to the ends of the earth. Church is really about allowing the Holy Spirit to empower us to do this work even when it's scary, even when we're not sure we really want to do it this way. Church is really all about being open to the surprises of the Holy Spirit that come along the way, even when we're not sure we like them, or even when they aren't the way we would have done them. Wind, fire, languages are all flexible. They can all move and breathe and grow. The Holy Spirit invites us on this Pentecost and in this Pentecost season, because Pentecost is not just a day, but a whole season of the church year to move and breathe and grow as she surprises us. She invites us as individuals and as communities to be flexible in heart and mind and body so that we can bring Jesus's healing and peace everywhere we travel, be that to the post office or the very ends of the earth. 
Thanks so much for joining me today, friends. As you travel through your day, may you be on the lookout for the Holy Spirit surprising and empowering and directing your life. And may you open yourself up to her self. Grace and peace to you, my friends. Take good care.